0: Hello, everybody and welcome back to the pfn scouting podcast we are heading into week five of the college football season and we are here to talk about the prospects and specifically today we are going to go through our one through fives wide receiver rankings between me and ian i think that we will have some differences here we have kept our lists a surprise from one another we're also going to get into some of the honorable mentions because this is a very good wide receiver class it might not have all of the ridiculously talented receivers that we have seen in prior classes, but there is so much. There, there's so much to choose from in this wide receiver class. There's so many shapes and sizes, and and we don't normally see a class that is is so different from one another. And I think that that will make this class a lot of fun to discuss because it will really, I think, come down to in the end how you look at the different archetypes of wide receivers. Uh, for who you choose but with that said Ian I always have to ask how are you doing
1: Doing good, man. I love the imagery to, to lead us off. I love that, that adding that color to the report there. No, man, it's been good. It's been good. I know ahead of the last podcast, we wanted to talk about wide receivers because you had Keon Coleman from the previous week, you had Marvin Harrison Jr. playing through the injury, right? So, so many different storylines. We wanted to hit that too, but we talk way too much. We've established that. You yes. know, we spent so many uh, items of discussion in a 35 to 40 minute podcast. So, we had to maintain some self-discipline. But today, we set aside some time to go through the entire wide receiver group individually, and um, it's it's an interesting class. Like you said, you know, not a dominating group, you know, through that top 10, but I, I feel like this top five, top five to six group is really, really good, and then you have a ton of different uh, archetypes, like you said, in the, in the, you know, dozen to two dozen range even, and there's a ton of depth as well, too, that's going to be unearthed later on in the cycle, so very excited to talk about these guys.
0: And let's get right into it. Who is your number five wide receiver right now? We're going five to one, by the way, uh, there, there should be no uh, secrets about who number one is going to be for either of us, uh, but we are going to keep the surprise down to number two. So let's, uh, let's get it going.
1: It's tough, man. Cause like, Number five, right away, we're starting with a really difficult decision for me personally. There were two guys that were basically 5A and 5B. They were that way entering the year for me, and they continue to be that way now. Uh, both in the Pac-12, Washington's Roma Adunze and Oregon's Troy Franklin. So I leaned Franklin for my wide receivers five spot. But again, they're really close. I think for them, it's up to a, and you know, that just goes to show Adunze is one of my honorable mentions. So he didn't quite crack my top five, but uh, he was right there. And I think that top six group in particular is kind of separated from the rest on my board anyway. But um, yeah, for me, it really boils down to personal preference, right? I think both of these guys six three so they got size they got length i think both of them can function as independent separators in the offense too um i think adunze you know again 215 so he's got quite a bit of poundage almost 30 pounds heavier than franklin so you're getting a better rack threat he's got the physicality but he's pretty slippery for his size too really good smooth catching instincts really good flexibility body control when he's working beyond his frame Uh, but troy franklin i think is just as good in that department i mean the way that he can just suddenly extend and he's very good at making high difficulty adjustments at a moment's notice Uh, so he can extend beyond his frame he's got a great catch radius and i think for me personally right you know in the modern nfl we've seen how lighter receivers are starting to find more success because they're being enabled to a little bit more troy franklin i think he's up to 187 pounds now but to me, he's a little more explosive than a does a little faster than a does a little twitchier than a does And I think in space, I think the things that you can do with him, you can use him on motions, you can put him in the slot, and he can function on the boundary too. But for me, Troy Franklin, the dynamic ability, the versatility is just a little bit higher for me. And that's what I value on my board. So it was really close. I didn't want to choose between them. It's like having to choose your favorite son, right? You don't want to do it, but you know, mm-hmm. both of these guys are very good prospects. To me, Troy Franklin's heightened versatility, and the dynamic ability that gave him the edge for me at wide receiver five but again i think i'd take both these guys round one too they're both very good prospects in my opinion but number five on my board right now is oregon's troy franklin
0: yeah i uh, i gotta disagree with you a little bit here oh, i uh yeah yeah we have disagreement right away neither of those two are in my top five uh which you know Let's some feel. people might find interesting and i i particularly found it interesting how you said that smaller or slimmer wide receivers are beginning to find more success at the NFL level. And there is a bit of a slim reaper in this class. He plays for Texas. His name is Xavier Worthy, and he is my number five wide receiver. Now, I understand what you were saying with Troy Franklin. I am a Troy Franklin fan as well. I don't like him, I think, as much as you might like him. I think that the separation ability is there. I do like the explosiveness that he has. I think that he could become a little bit more um, efficient as a route runner, particularly on stop routes. It's just it's a lot of length to to try to slow down. I think when you are breaking in, breaking out, and doing you know uh, more more obtuse uh, breaks, I think that he is really good at getting in and out of those. Uh, but want a little bit more uh, start stop. In his game, Rome, for me, is, uh, you know, kind of the the bigger play kind of guy, um, somebody who is a bit more of a possession guy, and and that might sound like a bit of a dichotomy, but I promise you it's not, and the possession side of things is a guy who can catch the ball over the middle of the field and then make a play with the ball in his hands afterwards. That size is a legitimate weapon, but I look at the, the, the NFL game today and how much quickness has to do with it, and... You know, small receivers for me aren't always my favorite, but a guy like Xavier Worthy, who shows surprisingly good contact balance as a 165-pound wide receiver, it's at six foot one. I like that, and then he has that flexibility and that that seamless transition in and out of breaks as well. Uh, I think that the one thing that should worry people and and worries me even with him being at number five or the hands.
1: Yeah. The, the, hands, the hands are thing. a bit the hands yeah. are a
0: bit suspect. I mean, there was a ra- there was a, a a particular play against uh Alabama on the goal line where he he comes in short motion and and acts like he's going to run a shallow cross and then he just stops on a complete dime and opens up to the outside and completely separates from the best cornerback in in college football and the ball it just it just doesn't come down with it and it was outside of his frame it wasn't the best pass in the world but it's a pass that an NFL wide receiver should catch and that's nine the thing times too. out like, of ten if not ten
1: there were catches last year like catches that he's made in the previous two years where he's that vertical threat i mean he has legitimate four three yeah. speed going down there the long strider speed is insane and he can make circus catches down there diving beyond his frame yep. you know with, with impact of the ground impacting him too and it doesn't matter like he's shown that he can make those catches it's just the easy ones where he does yeah. everything right he separates all you gotta do is guide the ball in Those focus drops, man, they are frustrating for him. He would have made my top five probably if he had a higher hand grade as well. Uh, He was in that group as well. But, I mean, you mentioned it. You hit the nail on the head. Beyond having that elite speed element too, like this is a guy who can legitimately retract and extend his strides at will. Insane flexibility and control with that speed. And that's a really dangerous thing. So, this is a ranking that I might look back on and say, I should have given him some leeway. But the hands is a little. It is a little bit concerning because you can do everything right, but the most important thing on every rep is converting at the catch point, making it all matter. And right now, yeah. you know he's he's not a liability in that area by any stretch. But you look at guys <sighs> like Troy Franklin, Roman Dunn. He, you know, he I,
0: is he is kind of a liability in that respect. It's just for me, it's how much does it matter? Yeah. I look at a guy like Jerry Judy, who obviously went in round one, mid round one. I watched him working out in the offseason before he was drafted I went watched his private coaching sessions it wasn't just him it was a bunch of wide receivers that were there he had the worst hands out of everybody i mean we we're, we're talking about catching against air and and it hitting his hands like bricks i went and i saw um Jahan Dotson's pro day and it sounded like oh, the yeah. ball wasn't even touching his hands i mean that 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 young man has some of the best hands i've ever seen and it's clear when you watch these guys in practice how good or bad their hands are. And I think that that's kind of the guy that you have with Xavier Worthy. It, it just depends on what kind of plays he's able to make to make you not forget about the drops and not care about the drops, but to care about the drops a lot less. Like A, a guy like Kadarius Tony is somebody who is underwhelming on the field and then also dropping passes, whereas a guy like Amari Cooper early on in his career was dropping passes, but he was also going for 1,100, 1,200 yards as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's the the type of success that Xavier Worthy can have at the next level, and beyond. especially, that, sure. yeah, especially when you're not allowed to bump after five yards at the NFL exactly. level, which I think is huge for smaller guys.
1: Yep, and one more thing with him too, the gravitational effect that his pure speed, speed has. has on the yes. defense even when he's not getting the ball i mean that alone can be valuable to an offense right so i think at, yeah
0: at worst yeah. he's like a, a Devonte smith level player from not not from you know i think Devonte smith is a more well-rounded player overall but just from that gravity and the ability to be like a high-end number two i think Devonte smith yeah. could be a number one if aj brown wasn't there but i think worthy's like floor is a high-end number two at the next level eventually nice
1: i agree i agree and i'm hoping you know it's one of those things where especially with the frame too like you worry maybe he gets a little easier jarred in con- contested situations too so that might add another element to it but yeah. you know i do think the speed is worth betting on at the end of the day when you factor in the flexibility and the impact that that alone can have on a, on a defense for sure
0: yeah who is your number four
1: here we go all right this top four group man th- there's well, I, dude, I
0: feel like two three and four were so hard for dude, me it oh was so hard
1: It was so difficult because all these guys, here's the thing. All right. My number four, Ameka Egbuka, Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is a a slight demotion from the start of the season, but that's not his doing, right? You know, he was my wide receiver two entering the year. He's not my wide receiver four. That is not his doing. I want to make that clear. Ameka Egbuka is still a fringe blue chip prospect for me. Uh, you know, he hasn't been a dominating producer like we've seen, but I feel like every time he gets an opportunity, he kind of reminds us a little bit why he's such a highly rated receiver, you know, even in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s shadow. This is a guy who is six foot one over 200 pounds, right? You've got the frame density, you've got good proportional length. So he's got the build, right? And then as a route runner as well, you know, every time. Every time we see him out there, man, I mean, the attention to detail, the spatial awareness with him, the twitch, the control, uh, the flexibility as well, not only to cut stems, but also to bend as he's accelerating through zones and manipulating coverage that also shows up on his tape. And I, I love the hand-eye coordination with him, you know, especially when he's catching passes in stride over the middle of the field, things like that, you know, on crossers and, and on drag routes. Like, you know, he's a guy who very naturally flows to the ball, and I feel like that's a very valuable trait. We mentioned it with Xavier Worthy. You got to make those easy catches in the short and intermediate ranges, right? You've got to make those rack opportunities count. And Ameka Ibuka to me, very sturdy hands, very natural hands, and that makes that matter. And then he's explosive. He's got good contact balance, good physicality. Uh, For me, he's just he is what he was at the start of the season, right? You know, and that's not a bad thing at all because he was already a fringe blue chip prospect on my board, a guy who's got the explosiveness, enough speed to stress defenses vertically, uh, really good spatial awareness, detail as a route runner, and then the hands, the instincts. Those are there too. So it's not really about what he has done or has not done. It's more just about what other guys have done. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But to me, Mecca Egbuka is still that guy who, you know, especially with Puka Nakua finding so much success with the Rams, I feel like you can use Egbuka in a similar role. You know, just you let his versatility shine in an offense. It can be a movement Z, you know, you can get him the ball on on jet sweeps and motions, but he can play out of the slot too. He can play on on the boundary if you need him to. I feel like that all-encompassing versatility Uh, is really what makes him such an enticing prospect and it's a product of a very well-rounded profile so nothing has changed for me for buka in his evaluation but some guys are really rising and skyrocketing in this wide receiver class and it's so tough to rank them but that's my wide receiver four again this is a guy that i would take early to mid first round so we mentioned it early on the top of this wide receiver class is insane uh, and i think we're starting to see that with how the grades are coming out here
0: yeah. And uh we again have a disagreement here. Let's uh, go. We, we, Dude, uh, again, I, I don't think um, I'm not
1: sure we've disagreed in like eight podcast episodes. I know. So no. Right this here, is I'm what we needed.
0: We 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 needed a little bit of uh um of we needed a little bit of a battle. Yeah. I and honestly, I think two, three, and four right now, uh, before I actually throw grades into the system and see how they all come out, it's just by personal preference. Watching a guy what What type of wide receiver do I like the most? And for me, Keon Coleman is at number four for me still. Even with the dominance that we have seen from him at the catch point in the red zone, six touchdowns already. I mean, he has been unbelievable so far. My issue is when I put the tape on, I don't love, and this isn't necessarily his fault, I don't love the route tree that he runs at Florida State. And I don't love what I see from him as a route runner. I think that there are things that I like. I think that even Amika stresses vertically better. And that isn't because, I mean, Keon's obviously six foot three and he can win down the field. He's not slow, but I don't think that he has the speed to necessarily continuously stress NFL defensive backs. I don't necessarily think that's his game anyways. He is more of that Alpha X receiver. I think that there are signs that he can become a much better route runner than he is right now. I like some of what he has done, especially, you know, attacking leverages. It's just comes down to he hasn't really had the opportunity to show that he can run the full route tree like some of those other guys. And I prefer the route running types. So for me, he falls a little bit more in the current but he might end up being there in the future if they open things up a little bit more in that offense. Also, uh, we're going to have to have a discussion on Jordan Travis at some point because I have not loved what I've seen from him later in the, I mean, I say later in in weeks, you know, two, three, and four as much as I did in week one. So Mm -hmm. Keon Coleman for me at number four, even though, listen, we've all seen he is an absolute alpha at the catch point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And hey, there's a quick preview of our next QB checkpoint. It's coming yeah. next Monday. Uh, Shutter yeah. Sanders and Caleb Williams are going to be battling this weekend, so we're going to have a lot of QB discussion. We'll have to throw Jordan Travis in there. This is a great segue because Keon Coleman is my wide receiver three right now. So, I mean, you mentioned it twice. I We got to keep saying it. Like This two-to-four group, I feel like you could have them in any order, and I wouldn't disagree with you. I wouldn't argue it. Like There's so much to like from this group. For me with Keon Coleman, and This is me personally. This is a personal thing for me as an evaluator. Sometimes I get burned by it. That's okay, right? You know, process over results, in my opinion, unless your results are terrible, right? Maybe then you need to reevaluate. But hey, you know, if you've got a trusted method and you like how you're doing it right, then don't, don't change it too much. But whenever I see building blocks from a bigger receiver as a route runner, I like to project those a little bit. And Keon Coleman, to me, does have enough flexibility. Is he, Is he? you know, just a, a Gumby like Marvin Harrison Jr.? No, but he is a guy who's flexible enough at his stems, right? Uh, and he's shown that he can press upfield and manipulate defensive backs leverage. Like you said, it was a really great rep against Andrew Makuba out of the slot this past weekend um, where he was feigning a post route. So he stressed vertically, then started inside, you know, toward the hash and Makuba, kind of bit on it and went with him and then right after he feigned that post route he was able to use a really brisk swim move uh, and he cut that stem really efficiently laterally to the sideline Used the swim move to compound that separation you know proactive targeted physicality you love to see that uh, and then he made the catch imbalance kept his feet in bounds really good hand-eye coordination so things like that where you know he's using his space and he's also manipulating defensive backs into overstepping and then capitalizing on that. You know, he's shown to me that he can do that for his size. I think with Keon Coleman, it's just there's so many different ways you can use him. We don't always see him get to do that. We don't always see him get to work one-on-one because hey, if you want him to just get open on a delayed release slant, he can do that as well. If you want to just, you know, throw him a screen and let him be a rack threat with his contact balance and explosiveness and twitch, he can do that too and hey, if you want him to go one-on-one vertically and win that 50-50 ball, that's one of the best things that he can do, right? So I think there's just so many different ways you can use Keon Coleman. We don't always see him get to work as an independent separator, as a route runner, uh, the way that Marvin Harrison Jr. does on guys, right? The way that he just routes them up. We don't always see that. And I, I to your point, I agree. I think Keon Coleman can still improve with his route efficiency, plant and drive footwork at times. Uh, and he's not, he doesn't have elite flexibility for his size either. But I think there is enough where you can say this is a guy who can function as an independent X receiver, but then also be that guy who can win those 50 50 balls. That complete ball winner alpha mentality uh, is very much there with him. And then a high level rack threat as well. To me, the three level framework is very strong with him. And then you combine that with the 6'4, 215 pound frame, the explosiveness, enough vertical speed to at least get a step and kind of. Uh, kind of toy with that leverage downfield, right? If you can at least get a step, uh, that just minute amount of space alone can make the job harder for a defensive back who's trying to get into your chest, who's three to four inches shorter, right, at least. So um, there's a lot to like with him. Again, I think two to four, any order is fine. But for me, what Keon Coleman has shown so far, you know, having that alpha, that ball winner who can also function as a complete three-level threat at the NFL level, uh, it's a rare thing. It really is.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it, I, and I really like a, a lot of his game, and and I actually I, I wrote down that that rep against Makuba that that was a good one. Um, it's just something like yes, I, I want to see that a little bit more. Um, and it's just it's tough because they he just isn't used in the same way that guys like Malik Neighbors and guys like Amika Egbuca are used in that Florida State offense. So it's a little bit tougher to get a gauge on on his overall game as a route runner. But we move on to my number three, who is Malik Neighbors, which means that Amika Igbuka is at number two, and we will get to that. <laughs> Nothing has changed for me. This is the same order that I had in the beginning of the season. Malik Neighbors is fantastic. Uh, he, ha- he obviously had a huge game. Um, Was that week two or week three? I can't remember. I think um, it was. He-
1: it feels like it's been every week, to be honest with well, you. Yeah, he's... He's been going but, off. I know. I know he had um, Mississippi State. I think it was week three.
0: I was say. that week? Week three, he had two yeah. or three touchdowns and was yep. absolutely dominating. Yep. Uh, he's a fantastic receiver. I, I love his game. Uh, it's the the physicality at his size is unbelievable. I'm very much and will always be Team OPI and he does it better than anybody. Listen, if you're going to get away from it, and especially at the college level with rules that you're allowed to be more physical after five yards on the defensive side of the ball, if they push, you pull. If they pull, you push. That's what he does incredibly well. Uh, and, And even when he's on those stopping routes, and this is something that I actually liked from Keon Coleman's game as well, on those stopping routes, even though Coleman isn't as... Uh, quick to, to start and stop just because he's, you know, six foot four, 215 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't stop as efficiently, but he is incredibly physical. And he uses defensive backs um, momentum against them to create separation in those stopping routes. Malik neighbors does that as well, but he does it at six foot 190 pounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch because he is also a, a high level route runner and a legitimate X wide receiver who can take the top off of defenses and uh, that's something that we definitely saw against Mississippi State. And he has that route running ability to to win over the middle of the field. He is more creative than I think he's given credit for after the catch as well. Oh, yeah. For me, Egbuka and Neighbors are tags touching incredibly, incredibly hard for me to choose between. Because although I like Egbuka's archetype a little bit more just overall, I think he's a little bit more QB friendly than Neighbors or Coleman. I do think that neighbors has that ability to be an absolute dog at the next level. And uh it's going to be fun to see how it all shakes out at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, real quick, the, the listeners can probably use process of elimination now. Yeah. So Mecca is my wide receiver for your wide receiver too. Uh, yeah. Like we, like we've said, these two, to, this two to four group is incredibly close. It's really up to subjective opinion, which one you choose. What, What gave Agbuca the nod over these other two guys for you to keep him at two?
0: For me, uh, he always seems to show up when it matters the most. And sometimes when it matters the most is when Marvin Harrison Jr. gets beat up. Uh, You saw it against Georgia, wherein Marvin Harrison Jr. had a missed time and it turned into the Amika show. Mm -hmm. And last week against Notre Dame, he had his best game of the season. That's big for me. He shows up when it matters most, when when the competition is at its best. And I just love his game. I just look at him, what he's able to do in the slot. I see somebody who is a lot like Jackson Smith and Jigba, but a little bit more explosive overall. Not, not quite as big, not quite as physical, but six foot one, six foot, 205 pounds, 210 pounds, more than physical enough, more than explosive enough. And he is a professional route runner. My, my favorite thing about him is, is that he he's not Justin Jefferson he doesn't have that type of flexibility but he is incredibly flexible and in those secondary releases when he is playing and he plays from the slot a lot so in the college level he's playing against defensive backs who are seven eight yards off of the ball and Justin Jefferson was that was a knock against him he played in the slot he played against defensive backs apexes that were seven eight yards off the ball outside leverage playing a lot of quarters. And he was able to just really toy with them at the at the second level in those secondary releases. That's exactly what Amika Buka does at a very high level. And he just consistently creates that separation. And I think good offensive coordinators are going to be able to find a way to get him the ball, you know, 10 to, to 15 times a game. Obviously, he won't have that many catches, but he could have those, you know, like you said earlier, Puka Nakua type targets, even as a rookie at the next level I just I love his overall game
1: yeah I mean I didn't disagree with anything you said man that's that's tough I just part. wish he
0: was a little bit faster I just yeah. wish he was a little bit faster
1: and like, he's not slow by any stretch I think he has no. more than enough long speed to especially within his, when he's able to open up his strides in space yeah. that's when you really see that field stretching ability not like vertically I think more laterally right but opening those windows with that long striding ability it's definitely there and I think the three level framework again use that term a lot but it's very strong with him before the catch mm-hmm the spatial awareness and not just the spatial awareness but how he's able to weaponize it with those micro movements and that flexibility i mean and it's it's very strong and then the hands are incredible i mean you mentioned it too it's not just the hand eye coordination just the sturdy hands but showing up when it matters most that clutch gene it's really hard to quantify right you don't know how to incorporate it into your grading sometimes but when you see a guy like agbuka have it you don't overthink it because you know, you might give him and Xavier Worthy, and I'm sorry to dog on Xavier Worthy again because he's a phenomenal player, or another wide receiver who might not have the hands of buka You give each of them that opportunity on that long third down play, right? It's maybe going to be a contested throw, right? You know, you want a guy that you can trust, and you can trust Buka. You know that. So to me, that's a very viable outcome to have my wide receiver two. My wide receiver two, however, just by a hair, just by a hair, and this is a guy who is tracking to maybe be a blue chip prospect for me. My grading scale works, um, just one to ten. Right over nine is a blue chip guy, and Malik Neighbors is trending there for me. He is almost there. I, I haven't finalized my grades by any stretch. We're not we're not even close to that territory. But what we've seen from Malik Neighbors this year has been phenomenal. This is a guy who's six foot two hundred. Um, again, he's got the size. We were talking about him. He was around one ninety five last year. And we were talking about him in the summer, the contact balance was insane, right? I mean, this is a guy who got the ball on screens and like short slants, right? And he's breaking successive tackles. He's resetting his feet. You know, He's using his midsection to absorb contact and just the physicality, the dog mentality. It is very much there with him. The rack threat element is very much there. But the way that we've seen him separate and convert catch points so effortlessly, so consistently this year, I mean, he is just toying with defensive backs. He's got a type of dynamism that is very hard to cover. I mean, the slot fade in particular has been the funnest route to watch from him this year. I mean, the slot fade, the way that he presses upfield uh, into the stem and then just diverts laterally immediately and then is able to sear around them with that stacking speed and then the coordination. Right. It's so fluid. It's so effortless for him finding the ball. Uh, and reeling it in after those reps. But, you know, why is he able to separate on those? It's because he has elite explosiveness. He's his flexibility, his throttle control is incredible. And then he's got the speed to sustain that separation down the field. So, you know, for me with Malik Neighbors, I mean, you're looking at a guy who we mentioned it with Egbuka, right? This is another guy who can manipulate defensive backs. He's got the hand-eye coordination to convert the catch point. Um, so, in that realm, you know, you, you're seeing some similarities. But Malik Neighbors, when you're thinking about, you know, how far a prospect can rise in the in the long term in the you know, in the forever realm here, you know, I think Malik neighbors has the best foundation of explosiveness and speed and speed kills in the NFL. I yeah. mean, look, at, look at the Miami Dolphins, right? <laughs> look at what they were able to do. And so I think looking at that element of it, right? If, I, if I'm looking at two guys who can both manipulate defensive backs who can both convert the catch point with their hands, you know, who am I taking as a prospect to invest in? I would err towards the guy who's that elite explosive threat with the, with the speed to legitimately stack defensive backs down the field with the speed to stress vertically uh, and find that separation and take the top off, but then also... You get him in the ball in the short range, and he's a high-level rack threat as well. For me, there's very few boxes that Malik Neighbors doesn't check. And then the physicality as well as a cherry on top. I mean, this is a guy who really relishes in contact and out, out-muscling defensive backs and kind of proving that he is the guy. And he's done nothing but prove it this year. So for me, Malik Nabors, his game is so exciting. You know i do think that maybe Ekbuka has a slightly more expansive route tree right now but i think malik neighbors has the ability to run any route that you want to with that throttle control that burst uh that phys- that targeted physicality as well so uh and then he's a high level catcher of the football high level rack threat to me um for me anyway wide receiver two that's where he is right now and i think you know there's a very good chance that he can go early in round one next april
0: yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all the, the one thing i i think that hurts I mean, it's not going to hurt Marvin Harrison Jr. very much because he's going to be the first wide receiver taken no matter what. But mm-hmm. something that hurts them is the, the quarterback play at Ohio State is is yeah. much worse than it is at LSU. Uh, LSU's quarterback might have a little Josh Allen in him trying to get himself killed every once in a while <laughs> when he's running the football, but he is a much better passer than what is going on at ohio state and hey, by the right way now
1: real real quick shout out to cj stroud who's killing it over there with the houston Texans, oh, man I'm man he's playing incredible. well I,
0: I i got to i got to actually sit down and watch a little bit of his film because i wanted to see if it was real and and it's real that dude is playing at an incredibly high level and it's not what i expected after seeing that 1st preseason outing so number one his former wide receiver or his former quarterback, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is our number one wide receiver, and the generational phrase gets thrown around way too much when it comes to NFL draft prospects. But Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the closest thing we have seen to a generational prospect since Miles Garrett, in my opinion, because yeah. Miles. I mean, when you look at the just look look at the entire package. Like Joe Burrow was a fantastic quarterback prospect because he was so good at everything coming out like you knew he was a professional quarterback but joe burrow didn't have that plus be six foot four 230 pounds with a ridiculous amount of athleticism like if joe burrow and josh allen had a baby and they play and and that, that would be a generational prospect that's what marvin harrison jr is he is a wide receiver that is going to go out there and run a four three He's unbelievable at all three levels of the field. Oh, and he happens to be six foot three, 215 pounds. He's a good block. There's nothing that he does poorly. There's absolutely nothing that he does poorly. And he's a legacy. So it's just, this is a no brainer. He is the best player in college football. In my opinion, I think that he is at a level higher than Caleb Williams, who people were talking about being the best quarterback prospect since forever. And that, in my opinion, is a little bit off. Um, He's a fantastic prospect. Obviously, he is a freak of nature, especially when it comes to that creation ability, which we have talked about ad nauseum. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is different. He is the guy. That's all I have to say.
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't know... How much we can say that we haven't already said about yeah. him in previous podcasts? I mean, there's really nothing new to add. I mean, here we are, welcome to the PFN Scouting Podcast, where we avoid hyperbole, and then we come out with this, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. farmer Harrison <laughs> Jr. is good, crazy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, he's the best wide receiver. No, I mean, he's he's very good. I mean, I, if I'm gonna try and avoid hyperbole because I don't want to stack onto it, but I also, you know, the only thing that goes through my mind when I watch him is, you know, this guy's legit you know he's near generational he really is for all the reasons you mentioned 64 205 right um everything that we saw in the preseason we've seen so far this year and a little extra too you know i think one of the one of the few questions maybe a couple questions a brat. In- It was rack. Yeah. And he's shown that he can do that this year. You know, you get him the ball in space. He's got that long strider speed uh, to really expand those touches. And he's got some contact balance too, right? Is he going to bowl over guys? No, but he's strong enough. He's got that wiry strength where he can step through arm tackles if you need him to as well. So they've used him in motions. He's been more versatile with that too. So, you know, he's shown a little bit extra there. And I think you know speed for me was not always a question but i did want him to i wanted to see him stress defenses vertically a little bit more just generate a few more big plays over the top and he's done that this year too i mean that there was that one play i can't remember who it, who was against maybe youngstown state where he's just out of the slot runs a vertical route, and he dusts everybody. And you know, the moment they react to it in that zone coverage, it's like, oh, hey, I got to redirect, I got to trail him downfield. The, the moment you see him, it's too late because he's running at that 4-3 pace with those long strides and he's just an effortless athlete. It's like a gazelle in open field. I mean, he he gains speed so effortlessly and that's just as much a function of that vertical ability as it is a, a weapon as a route runner, too. I mean, the explosiveness out of route breaks is absurd with him, but then yeah. the flexibility, too, to channel that acceleration so seamlessly. I mean, you cannot combat this as a defensive back. Even if you're four to five inches shorter, you cannot combat this kind of thing, right? So I think when we talk about route running and separation and what the ultimate ceiling is for a wide receiver, you very rarely have we seen a wide receiver with the kind of ceiling as Marvin Harrison Jr. to win one-on-one against a defensive back. I mean, the way that he can bend, the way that he can accelerate, and then the attention to detail too, the micro movements. I mean, that's all there. The targeted physicality. He's like a pass rusher working against them at those stems, right? Using swim moves and rip moves to just kind of pry his way past when he doesn't win by sheer mobility. Um, It's really special to watch a guy like this. And, you know, just as a bonus too, uh, this past week against Notre Dame, right? He had the ankle injury. He was doing, a, he was uh, on the play side as a run blocker, and he got rolled up. And he came in with a taped ankle later on. We were thinking maybe he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Nope, he's back on the next drive, and he's actually competing for some pretty difficult catches too. So the toughness, the competitive fire is there too. Uh, for me, there's very few boxes that he doesn't check, and I know we use that cliche often, but with Marvin Harrison Jr., it is true. He's still my not only my number one receiver my number one overall prospect in this class uh, and a near generational wide receiver prospect that much, all that much is true in my opinion.
0: Yeah. For me, I look at it as, you know, do you have the, not just prototypical, but like special physical ability. And he has a special physical ability. His father is obviously Marvin Harrison (laughs) senior, who was pretty good in the NFL. If you guys don't remember him and so you kind of expect him to to be a, a decently effective uh, technician. And then he's also a guy being coached by Brian Hartline, who is the best college wide receiving coach in, in maybe in the history of the world. I mean, the dude just produces NFL wide receivers like high level NFL wide receivers. So, all of everything came together for Marvin Harrison Jr. And he is he is one of the most special prospects that I've seen. And I just hope that he stays healthy for the rest of the season. That's all we got for the top five. Let's get into some honorable mentions. And let's not even touch on prospect matchups this week. Because we don't have time. Who are some of the guys that you have to talk about? I'm going to bring up one right now. That is AD Mitchell. AD yeah. Mitchell for me is the guy who is going to be steadily rising. He's somebody who, again, uh, six foot four. He's got a good frame on him. He's got fantastic downfield speed. Uh, he's really good along the sidelines. I like his sideline awareness. Um, just a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I think that the explosiveness out of uh, his release, especially against you know guys like Kool Aid McKinstry and guys like on Arnold, guys who are freak athletes for the cornerback position. And he was able to blow by them a couple times. And not only was he able to do that, but he got a little bit out of sorts uh, against Kool-Aid on a rep. And he was kind of falling over and he caught his footing and just like a rocket shot out of his release and gained separation. Like he is a legitimately special athlete. And I am really excited to see how the NFL looks at him, you know, after what should be a, a pretty good year for for him in Texas. Now he's got to fight for targets with possibly the best tight end in the class and a top five wide receiver if you ask me in the class so it's a little bit tougher to get targets but he has been a fantastic weapon for them so far
1: yeah he was the first name that i was going to bring up ad mitchell i think you know the size flexibility explosiveness combination that we've been talking about with so many of these guys is one that he has too uh, and the speed to get a step on kool-aid mckin's right cool is not a bad athlete he's a near elite athlete right and he was still able to get a step Find that window down the field on the vertical plane so you know all those things are there and on top of that too he might be one of the best run blockers in the class i mean his highlights as a run blocker dude is physical he's tenacious uh, so another bonus for him so ad mitchell for me uh, is definitely up there they were both him and xavier worthy were my top two runner-ups aside from roma duns who i basically put there at 5b right so you know that that group that cluster is very strong a few more guys that you know i think after that there was a little bit of a dip a little bit of a dip off uh, but there's still a lot of quality wide receiver prospects a few that i like that weren't quite in this range uh will Shepard from vanderbilt is one that i've been high on for a little bit and he had a really hot start to the year a really good red zone threat with his ability to separate Six three two hundred. 200 really smooth athlete really good body control and hands as well um, so, you like to see that the sustaining acceleration through stems and, and kind of curvilinear acceleration that's there on his tape. Slippery rack threat, too. So, you know, I could see him being a, a steal in the middle rounds next year. Malachi Corley, explosive rack threat. The dude's like 5'10, 5'11, 210 pounds, rocked up. Uh, really good contact balance, but explosive, too. You get him the ball on crossers, on drags, and just let him go to work. Uh, and then there was one more that there was a couple more that I wanted to bring
0: up. I, I, I got two more that I'm going to bring up okay. real quickly. They both play on the same football team. Uh, it's South Carolina wide receivers, Juice yep. Wells, who is unfortunately been hurt. Uh, so we have not really seen him so far this year. That's unfortunate. Uh, even with a bad foot, scored a really nice touchdown the other week and then was uh, seen on the sidelines, uh, pretty much fighting to get into the end zone after another South Carolina touchdown. Uh, As he was being held up by trainers, uh, still in pads, which I couldn't believe. But the second one is Xavier Leggett, who we have to talk about a little bit. That's a big dude who can move a little bit. He is big. He is powerful. I mean, he is practically a tight end. And, And that's not a negative thing. I think that those type of guys, that big slot is being used a lot more in the NFL level these days. And if you are the, the requisite route runner, I think that you can be successful in that role. And I think that that's a role that he could fit really well, but he has that athleticism to play on the outside as well. He's fantastic going up and getting the ball. Oh yeah, I, I wish that he was a little bit more consistent with his hands. There are some contested situations where I wish he would finish a little bit better, um, but he has been put out to dry a couple times um some really tough catches and he has been far and away the biggest weapon for south carolina on the outside it's been a lot of fun to to watch him kind of elevate his game after juice unfortunately got hurt
1: yeah for sure he's like what 6'3, 220 i mean that is he might be end.
0: 230 i mean he is massive he is <laughs> huge
1: but then still you see him accelerate i mean the dude's got turbo jets on his shoes i mean he just it erases space i mean he will if you're off man or if you're in zone like 10 yards out, like he will erase that space and he will surpass you and you won't be able to catch up. I mean, the speed and explosiveness for that size is really phenomenal. More of a vertically oriented guy. Looks like I don't know if he has the flexibility to have a super expansive route tree, yeah. but you, he can threaten vertically. Uh, like you said, really good catching instincts, coordination, body control. Um, the hands, sometimes they're a little bit late, sometimes they're a little too wide, right? So you want to get him in the right position, I think he can be more consistent there. But a guy who's just if you're looking for six-three, two-twenty speed freaks in this class, who also have really good acrobatic ability at the catch point, Xavier Laguette is one of those guys, good rack threat to solid rack threat. i uh, will I'll do two more from another Singular team as well, Washington. We mentioned. I was Roma, just about, to, I was Roma just about Dunn, to go there.
0: So good stuff.
1: Jalen McMillan, to me, I think he was injured last week, but I've always been a fan of his. Uh, you know, around six one, I want to say one ninety range, but a guy who's explosive enough, fast enough. And just a really good route runner, in
0: my opinion. He's just, yeah, he's just like one of those guys that you look at and it's like, yeah. that's just a solid wide receiver like, overall. I want he's, that guy as a wide yeah. receiver too, or wide receiver yes.
1: like that, that That's honestly what, I, what I'm thinking for him. I think, you know, the, the flexibility and, you know, the, the acute angle awareness at his, on his route breaks. I mean, he can cut really tight angles inside. You know, he's got really good hands too. So just a really solid receiver who I would be, you know, circling in that round three range if I can get him there. Uh, I would love that. And then Jalen Polk has been really good Uh, in relief for him. He had a big week this past week against California. But around 6'2", I want to say a little bit over 200. So he's got good size and he wears it really well he almost doesn't look that big because he's so efficient uh, but he's explosive again he's got good speed and then for him in particular uh the way that he can convert on those really tight catches too like he gets a step on guys but then even when he's crowded just having the coordination the focus to reel that ball in very impressive for me i don't know if he has the route tree that mcmillan does but another guy who's explosive really good coordination focus body control um so i'm looking at both those guys as guys who could potentially uh follow roma duns in that really round range
0: and uh, we brought up Malachi Corley, right? Because I don't want to get fired for not bringing him up. We okay, did. Fantastic. We did. Don't worry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ian, we're <laughs> off the hook. We got him. We're good. We're good. All right.
0: So since we got him, we are good to go. We are out of oh, here. One
1: more. One more. I want to bring up. actually. got one Brian, more. You Brian one Thomas more. Jr. LSU. Keep an eye on okay. him. I don't know if he's going to be a top wide receiver, but the guy is like four, over 200, and he had some really impressive plays this past week against Arkansas. So you're the SEC guy. I'll, I'll throw him over to you. But Brian Thomas Jr., uh, it looks like he could be a player. So uh, and that just goes to show, man, this wide receiver class, if we can talk about the top guys. We can talk about the top 10, top 12. We're never going to completely exhaust our options here. There's a lot of depth. Um, and that goes partly for the COVID year, right? That was that was a few years back. But also just I think we're still in a golden age of wide receiver play. And uh, it's it's not ending yet. So it's going to be a fun time.
0: Yes, it will be. I can't wait to talk about this class for the rest of the cycle, and uh, I can't wait to get back next week. Monday, we will check back in with the quarterbacks. I think Thursday is a good time for another mailbag. Uh, I, I like getting I like getting questions in, and we can talk and answer questions forever. So I think that's a good idea. We'll do that. Have fun in Week Five, guys. Uh, we didn't talk about any of the matchups, but that's okay. Go watch them anyways. Uh, Omar Spates is going to be playing against arguably the best running back in college football, Quinshon Judkins, who isn't having the best year from a, a production standpoint, but is a phenomenal talent. And uh, always remember, guys, I love you. Goodbye.